If you're a regular listener, you've probably noticed that I often wonder about the nature of our reality. I've wondered whether this world, life, earth, the multiverse, I've wondered if this place was some sort of school or a form of entertainment. And on my lowest days, I've wondered if this world was a kind of hell. Looking at how humanity treats each other, we're certainly seeing ourselves at our worst. Or I should say the media does an exemplary job of highlighting the worst of us. And when all you see is the worst, it's easy to believe that we suffer because we deserve it. Once again, when all you see is the worst of us and the worst in us, when humanity's traits are constantly magnified, or I should say when the worst of humanity's traits are constantly magnified, it's tempting to believe that we suffer here because we deserve it, that we are being punished for being imperfect at best and monstrous at worst. And I'm not speaking only of the news when I say the media. I'm speaking about what passes in this world as entertainment. The bulk of our entertainment circles around human beings being mostly cruel to each other until one or two or a handful of people, the quote-unquote heroes, choose or decide or are forced to stand up against the majority. And the majority is almost always intent on persisting in evil. It's subliminal, but we are constantly and persistently shown that the default setting of humankind is evil. And it is the few amongst us that are good. And thus, the good are the exception. While we are also simultaneously programmed to accept that those who are immoral or flawed or less than perfect in any way are somehow typical of the human race. I really want you to think about that. You have a show like, what's a good show? Westworld. Constantly showing, depicting humanity in the worst possible light. That's just the first show that I can think of that pops into the top of my head. But for the most part, the next time you decide to sit and binge watch a show, watch to see how the majority of people are portrayed and how it seems that it's only a small minority of exceptional human beings or maybe just one or two human beings 
that sort of deviate from the quote norm, with the norm being immoral. When you're seeing this persistently, when you're persistently and constantly shown this, you start to form the impression, whether it's subliminally, that human beings deserve to suffer, that we deserve condemnation. Most of the world's dominant religions are also based on that same premise. That we are all sinners, that we have all fallen, that we are tainted in some way, tarnished, flawed, born, crippled, corrupted by original sin. And thus we are less than, we are undeserving of redemption, saved by grace. That our souls are so condemned that our creator had to sacrifice his child to die in the most violent, vile and evil and torturous and painful way. And his blood had to be shed in order to redeem us from some deficiency that we are inherently born with. And we're told that that flaw stemmed from a single act of one individual opening a box or eating an apple. That individual is often female, thus also subliminally programming that females are responsible for the suffering and the hardships that we now must, quote, must endure. And through that narrative, we are conditioned to hate ourselves. We are conditioned to hate our own souls. And subsequently, we are taught to hate each other. Even if you're not a religious individual, you still live in a society governed by those who are. And you are ruled by laws written and enforced by individuals who believe in those principles, believe that at your core, you are tarnished, that you are flawed, that you are immoral, that there's something fundamentally wrong with you and thus need to be ruled as such, dominated as such, controlled as such. And so you watch TV, or you open a book, or you listen to a song on the radio, and it's just a constant reinforcement of these same ideas, these very ideas magnified. You turn on the news. This person lied. This person stole. These people killed. This person murdered. This person cheated. Look at all the horrible things that humanity is capable of. Look at the evil that we constantly do. The way we pollute. The way we destroy. All of these visuals confirm 
that premise, that narrative, that we are somehow tainted. Well, like in an abusive relationship, except we're in that abusive relationship. Humanity is in an abusive, a verbally, emotionally, physically, psychologically abusive relationship with itself. Constantly criticizing itself. Humanity constantly criticizing itself. Constantly calling out the worst of itself. Consistently tearing down, condemning each other. We see the same thing in science. Not just the media, not just religion. In science as well, across the board. Science tells you, you biology tells you that you're an insignificant nothing evolved from pond scum. They say you have no soul. They say you are nothing but a talking primate who got lucky or out-survived other species of mankind or pre-human, pre-homo sapien, sapien. And perhaps survived because we collectively murdered all the other versions of pre-human. And we believe all of this. We believe all of this and we internalize it. What do you think a lifetime of getting all of these negative images, all of these criticism, all of these condemnations coming from you from every point, not just on the macro level, right? not just in the news, not just in science, not just in religion, that obviously then dictates and programs humanity to deal with each other in that same critical and condemning way on a micro level. So you have parents who watch that, who believe that, who are part of religions that program these sort of beliefs, who study these sort of ideologies, and then they go out and they have children and they raise them with that same mindset that we are, the majority of us are wicked, evil, insignificant, violent, untrustworthy, nonsense, nothing, accidents, mistakes, Can you imagine, can you imagine if you had a friend, imagine being in a relationship, a friendship with someone who said these things about you. You wouldn't accept that unless you had an extremely low self-esteem. But a lot of us internalize these messages without even being cognizant of it, without being conscious of it. And and we lay our heads down, we hang our heads, we drag our feet. You know, they say this world isn't special. Even though in a solar system in which all other planets 
around us are haunted by death. Earth is the only one still bursting with life. And yet you're told that Earth is an insignificant speck in the grand scheme of the multiverse, of the galaxy. Disregarding, simultaneously, disregarding the mathematical constant that prove that we're living in a Goldilocks sort of situation in the sense of that everything we see was done with intention, was programmed, calculated, mapped out, predetermined. You're taught to ignore all of those, even though the same people that are telling you that we are insignificant are also the same people pointing out these mathematical constants, pointing out that the very fact that this planet, this world, reality even exists is a miracle, but yet you are not miraculous. Does that even make any sense to you? Like pause and legit think about what I've just said. They told you to believe that all of you, all that you've seen came into being by accident, by accident. Come on now, like it's less scientific. It's more of a religion, in my opinion, because you have to believe in, believe in an improbability that everything came from nothing with a bang. All this just happened by accident. That's not science. That's just another type of religion because the science behind that claim does not match the claim itself, does not support the claim itself, gravity, antimatter, positrons, neurons, is it neurons, neurons, neutrinos, all of these things just happened by accident, you're supposed to believe that. But that's what the most learned amongst us have decided that we should believe. That's what makes you, quote, smart. It's, like, it's illogical. Things don't just spring into existence from nothing. That's magic. That's not science. And if it did, it wouldn't have happened just the one time, which also should say to you, let's say all of that is true, that the Big Bang really did bring into existence everything that you see now. It, by the laws of physics, something like that would not happen just one time. It can't be a one-off. So that means that there are millions or billions of galaxies that are then bursting forth into existence, not just us, which should then say that once again should support the idea this is a system of life and we're just in a very small part of the entire system. But because we're part of the system, we can't be insignificant, nothing. That's nonsense.
To say that a human being is special, to say that humanity is special, that we are all beautiful, that this world is beautiful, that we are gods, that our consciousness affects, alters, changes the behavior of subatomic particles. To say that you're not just a body, but that you're an immortal consciousness that's always been, that always will be, and that the entire universe needed you, a conscious observer, to observe it in order for it to come into being. That when you look up at the night sky and the stars shine down on you from billions of light years away, they only shined so many years ago because you looked at them tonight. To say that all of that is some sort of blasphemy, or I should say to say that all of that makes you special makes you important. To say that all of these things that are backed by science, that are scientific facts, that the universe does require the consciousness of of an observer in order to bring it into existence. It didn't happen by chance. It didn't happen by accident. These are facts. Your very act of observation shapes reality. That's not by accident. That makes you, that makes us, that makes humanity special. But if I said that, it would be considered a type of blasphemy. But it doesn't make it any less true. Whether or not the majority of us are incapable of seeing how special humanity is, especially when the majority of us has been convinced, have been convinced that we are some sort of virus on this planet, some sort of plague. We've been called a cancer and people believe this. doesn't make it true. The watchmaker is not blind. It is us who are blind. We are incapable of seeing who we are, what we truly are, and what we can become. We are incapable and we have been made incapable of seeing the greatness the power, the strength, the responsibility that lies within us. When you're programmed to only see the worst in yourself and the worst in others, it isn't too much of a stretch to begin to wonder if this world is some sort of hell. I've looked up and I've cried 
for children, for the weak, for the downtrodden, for the suffering, the sick. And I've wondered over and over again, why am I here? Why are we here? Why must we suffer? And why do we hurt one another this way? Why am I in hell? Is this hell? Is this where the the souls who are tarnished are sent from other worlds because we are incapable of being decent and good and loving and kind to one another? I've wondered all of these things. And I'm sure if you check your thoughts and you're honest with yourself, the thought has crossed your mind as well. And how would it not when all of what I said occurs on a daily basis, you are inundated with this narrative. But then this past week, it suddenly dawned on me This can't be hell. There's no water in hell. Now, what do I mean by this? What do I mean by there's no water in hell? There's a quote you've probably heard. It says, people in hell want ice water. People in hell want ice water. The idea is based on the premise that hell is a place of eternal damnation and suffering with no relief. A place of endless thirst and nothing to alleviate the damned from their suffering. We live in a world where death and pain and suffering are all around us. And if you focus on that, because that's what you're programmed to only see, then yes, this place can be interpreted as a kind of hell. If your perception of what this reality is has been shaped by people who have power over you and want to force you to perceive reality in the way that benefits them and is detrimental to you and removes power from you and gives it to them, then yes, you will see this world exactly the way that they have painted it for you. I'm an artist. I know how to paint for emphasis. I know how to emphasize certain things that I want the viewer to see while hiding others. And by doing so, I can create a narrative, construct an ideology, construct an idea in your mind, cause you to see a particular idea or a person or get you to understand a concept, not through words, but through an image. That's the power of art, but it can be utilized nefariously. And that's what we see in the media in science, in religion. It's all a type of art. 
just a negative art. And if this is a kind of hell, then you can understand, or I should say, if people perceive this world, if people have been programmed to perceive this world as a type of hell, then of course it, it's natural that you should want to escape it. Or at the very least for you to wonder what you did to deserve being sent here. What's wrong with you to deserve being sent here? But it was my journey into the psychedelic experience and I've spoken about in previous episodes. And this is definitely not an endorsement of psychedelics. But in my journey, my own personal journey into psychedelics, which I've cataloged on previous episodes, after just the one trip, that's it. It only took me the one trip to get the message. I realized that psychedelics were a type of water so to speak. Psychedelics are water for your mind. And they're found everywhere, the same way water is found everywhere. The mushrooms, psilocybins, they've always sprung up unexpectedly all over the world since the beginning of the human experience on this earth. In fact, in the book, The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by James Fadiman, PhD, he states, as have countless others, that psychedelics like magic mushrooms, Soma, masculine, peyote, were the foundation to all of the spiritual practices that eventually devolved into what we now call religion. But it was these plants, these psychedelic plants, psilocybins, masculine, peyote, soma, etc., that helped early man and woman, early woman and man, see past the veil that shrouds our perception of reality, of the true nature of this reality. It was these plants that helped early humanity see this world as it was, for what it was, as a mirage, as a dream, as a trip itself, as an experience, but ultimately impermanent and not real, an unreal, a simulation, if you will. It was these plants that awakened the people who took them, who imbibed them to the truth that our souls are immortal and that our consciousness 
are intricately woven throughout the multiverse as a collective. And that we've always been, and that we're not, we, we're not relegated or limited to just this reality experience. But there are others, other realities, other worlds. And we carry on and on. And always have. Psychedelics are built into the framework of this construct that we call reality. They are meant to be consumed in the sense of like your actual brain has in it receptors for cannabis, for psilocybin, for mushrooms. It's the receptors exist already in your brain, <laughs> okay? Which means that it's like a puzzle. You're supposed to put the two together in order to allow you to view this world properly. And they're supposed to remind you that none of this is real. These plans are these ubiquitous plans are supposed to remind you that death is not the end, that this is all Maya. Even DMT is found in the body and in the brains of humans, of plants and animals. Even animals use psychedelics. So how can this be hell? when there is water in abundance everywhere. And like I said, what I mean by water, not to reiterate too strongly, is I don't mean water as in drinkable water. I don't mean that. I mean water for your thirsty, parched mind seeking answers. Well, it's if, if the thirst for knowledge of the true nature of reality is what keeps your mind parched or what has made your mind parched. The proverbial water would be these psychedelics. So how can there be hell when they're growing in abundance everywhere? In you. DMT is literally in you. It shows you every night when you sleep that you have access to these other worlds. It shows it to you in the form of dreams. How can this be hell? This isn't hell. We make it hell. We have made it hell because of our beliefs, of the beliefs that I talked about at the beginning of this episode. If we believe that we are devils, that we are sinners, then we will create for ourselves a sort of hell where we will suffer. If we have been convinced, if I can convince you that you are a sinner and that sinners must suffer, I can utilize your consciousness and your, your innate ability to manifest whatever reality experience you 
desire. I can hijack that. This is an ingrained ability of every single human being. And we don't even know because we are programmed to believe that we are insignificant, powerless nothings who happen across and upon this reality by accident. We're a fluke. All of these are lies. But if I can convince you to believe this while simultaneously convincing you to believe that you are powerless, while simultaneously convincing you to believe that you are tainted, tarnished, a sinner, then I can make you turn this place into hell. I can use you to create hell. Now, if we have the power, if it's in us to turn this world and make it into a type of hell, then it, it, it is also in us. It is also within our power to make this world into a type of heaven. And it's not just psychedelics that are quote-unquote water. Music. Music is a type of water for the mind. Not all music. Right? Not all music... is good music, just like not all psychedelics or mind-altering, quote, drugs are good. There are some psychedelic drugs like heroin, meth, things of that nature that are negative, or I should say tainted water. And when you imbibe those, it's like drinking tainted water and the same mindset can be applied to music but I'm going to speak more of the clear pure nourishing water as I wrote this episode out as I made notes about this episode and on this episode because it was very important I wanted to make sure When I did this episode, I didn't forget anything or leave anything out. And I was able to speak articulately on this topic because it is important for you to hear this, for us to hear this, for whomever is listening to this right now. This is important. So as I made the notes and thought out what I was going to say for this episode, I was listening on repeat to a song by the title, Anyone. The song was called Anyone, and it was composed by Keith Kniff. K-E-N-N-I-F-F is his last name. The first name is Keith, and you can find him on Spotify. You can't tell me that this place is hell when beautiful music like that exists. I would come back to earth a million times just to listen to some of my favorite musical compositions a million times. Music itself is a psychedelic. 
I'll say that again. Music itself is a sort of psychedelic that we humans, the musically inclined amongst us, can produce. You cannot tell me this is hell when there is beautiful, thought-provoking, mind-expanding music. Music is another type of gateway to another world, to other worlds. Or at the very least, it's a glimpse, a reminder, a footnote that says, but wait, there's more out there to explore. It's not just this world. Music is water for your parched soul. Not just music. Art is another psychedelic that humanity produces. So just like plants produce, certain plants produce Psychedelics. I don't know what the name of the chemical structure is. Like, let's say certain plants produce DMT. DMT is a type of music that a plant produces. And when you consume it, you take in that art. But so is art. Art is a type of psychedelic that acts upon your brain. In the same way a psychedelic plant does. And so is beauty. Paralyzing beauty that stops all thought, stops all fear and worry, and forces you to be present. So we have ubiquitous psychedelic plants growing everywhere, springing forth from nature. We have music. We have art. We have beauty. How can this be hell? This can't be hell. These things exist as as persistent reminders that this can't be hell. Have you heard the sound of a laughing baby or seen a smile? Have you watched people give love and express love to each other on a daily basis? These sort of things that never get magnified or amplified in the same way that the negative news that ultimately it's a small percentage of us that do behave in the way that the media seeks to amplify. And these negative traits are a small percentage of our overall persona, of our overall personalities. But these things aren't mentioned. They're magnified. They're not mentioned as, or they're not portrayed in a way that this is not all of what we are. This isn't even most of what we are. Negativity, immorality, violence, anger, hate. 
that's not even the majority of what we are. And yet that is what gets magnified, our worst possible traits. Think of the taste of fresh fruit in the summer. Think of the feel of snow in your hands in the winter. You feel the energy as the air warms up right before it begins to snow. You watch these beautiful soft crystals fall from the sky. Picture a beautiful, vibrant, intense summer sunset. How is this hell? Look around you. How is this hell? How is this a prison when such beauty is abound around us? You want to know what hell is? Other planets. The other worlds that are around us right now, the other Mars, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter. Those planets are without water. Those planets are barren. They are without fruit. They are without life. They are without music. They are without laughter. They're without joy. They're without love. They're without us. Those planets, those planets are hell. And if we were as evil and vile and amoral and worthy of suffering and punishment and unworthy of anything good. We would not exist on a planet like this. We would exist on a planet like Mars. And maybe that is the underlining goal. Maybe not goal. Maybe maybe this is the underlining purpose of humanity. To seed these other planets with love, with life, with music, with fruit, with water. To terraform them and fill, fill them up with the heaven that we have here. With the heaven that we have been programmed to take for granted But first, we have to learn to recognize that we are surrounded by good. And we must learn to recognize the good in ourselves and see that and see ourselves as entities that are members of this world that are a part of this world 
pause and reflect. Look at all the beauty that nature possesses. The majority of it, the majority of it is beautiful. And you and me and us, we are a part of nature. We are a part of earth. We are earth. You see, just like as a plant produces psychedelics, a human produces its own version of psychedelics. You've seen art, you've heard music, and you've seen the beauty that comes from the love that we bestow on each other. We are a part of this planet. We are not apart from it. And so when we think to see these other planets, we must understand that it's not just water and soil and sea that we are taking or we should take to these planets, but we take ourselves as well because we have something to offer. But we need to understand that we are just as powerful and just as beautiful and just as gracious and yes, special and yes, capable and yes, creators. We've got to hold on to that. We got to hold on to the better aspects of ourselves. And let go of the negative self-perceptions that cause these cause us to create hell for ourselves in paradise, in heaven. Earth is heaven. We are making it hell. If we can do better, if we can create hell, we can create heaven. If you can consume, you can produce. This is a duality reality. Everything in this reality is dual. So unless we let go of the hell we have manifested for ourselves, we run the risk of spreading these negative traits to these other worlds. Polluting the water, so to speak, that we plan to share or implant across the multiverse. And if it is our duty as a race to understand that it is our responsibility to the future of life across this galaxy, both here on Earth and wherever our ambitions and explorations take us, be it to other planets, 
or other galaxies or even parallel universes, we have to understand that we have the power to spread hell just as easily as we have the power to create heaven across the multiverse. But first we gotta stop beating down on ourselves. We have to stop believing ourselves to be small, to be insignificant, to be powerless. We have to own our true true nature as a race of consciousness. Godlings. We are godlings in the womb of a god, of a mother planet we call Earth. We are waiting, we are in the process of awaiting maturity. A sign of a maturity, a sign that we are ready to bloom, to burst forth, to ripen and drop and become seeds and then grow forth our own trees so that we can create our own trees. A sign that we are ready and we are, quote, ripe and ready to seed the multiverse is when we unite and grow in love and grow through love. You might be tempted to pause and say, maybe this is a bit flowery. It's not, it's truth. And whether or not your mind is prepared or ready to accept it, that's another matter. And I think if it feels flowery to you, if it feels too esoteric or too spiritual to you, you have to pause and ask yourself why. Speaking positivity into your life, me speaking positivity into your life and saying that you are special and you are a God and you are a creator and that you are responsible, that you have a responsibility for what energy you put out there. Because whether or not you're conscious of this, you are actively putting energy out there and you are actively affecting the very fabric of the nature of reality. That's how powerful you are. And if that thought makes you feel uncomfortable, then clearly what I said at the beginning of this episode should be revisited and you need to pause and ask yourself who programmed you to be uncomfortable with seeing greatness in yourself. Who abused you? How Could you have been programmed to fail to note your own importance when everything around you screams what you truly are? Everything around you is screaming as to what you truly are. 
And I think the time is approaching that we as a race take on our mantle, so to speak, and do exactly what it is that we have been placed here to do, placed in this barren galaxy to do. How do you look up and look around and see that of all the nine planets, one is thriving with life and houses you and somehow see yourself still as insignificant? Eight other planets are barren and are hellish, but one is not. And you have the power with your consciousness, which is what you really are, not the body, but you, who you really are, your consciousness has the power and ability to shape the construct. However, it fits or it sees fit rather. How can you not see that? And if you're incapable of seeing that, pause and reflect on that. We are all going to have to keep coming back here. Over and over and over again until that fucking clicks. I'll say that again. We're going to have to keep coming back here. Reincarnating collectively. Over and over. Reseeding this planet over and over again. Until we learn and mature. And accept what it is that we really truly are. And take on the mantle and accept the responsibility that comes with having the power that we have, not just as individuals, but as a collective. We will not be allowed to permeate the borders of this reality. And the physical border is the Van Allen radiation belt that we cannot get past. And that's a physical border around this planet. And the Van Allen radiation belt works as a sort of barrier that burns off contamination. And that contamination is our ignorance and a true lack of understanding of what we are capable of and what the nature of this reality is. See, we're bound to the physical perception of ourselves. And so we're trying to break through this world, this construct on a physical plane. And so that's part of our ignorance, along with us believing ourselves to be nothing but physical entities, nothing but limited entities. We will not be allowed to spread life to other planets, 
to seed the cosmos, so to speak, until we've worked out our issues, until we've matured as a race and we have shed what presently pollutes the human soul. It is not sin in the traditional sense that pollutes the human soul. The true sin, the only sin really that we are suffering from is the belief that we are separate and that we are small and that we are insignificant, and that we are less than what we are. It's the belief that all that you see happened by accident, and that we are separate individuals who need to bring each other down in order to survive. That's the true sin. Ignorance of what we truly are. And until we unite, we are stuck here. It's a closed system. All the races, all the schools of studies, all the religions and spiritual leaders and the teachers, all of us, we have to come together. We have to put our minds together. We have to respect what each have learned, each culture, each field of study. We all have to put our minds together and form a unified theory, respecting each other's experiences and contributions with the underlining understanding that we are all pieces of one puzzle and we are literally created to work together. We need each other. And until we do this, we will continue to make hell out of heaven. Let us not end up like the other planets that surround our planet Earth now. Let us not end up dead, barren, and lifeless. I'll leave you with this quote. They said there were two ruling entities. God and Satan. One above and one below. They lied. There was only ever us. When you look up from the bottom, it was just our reflection gazing back down at us.